Hey, everybody. Before we get into the show, we do talk about sexual assault, sexual violence, along with lynchings and other forms of torture to black bodies. If any of these things are upsetting to you, please take care as you listen. Welcome to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him. I'm a queer political activist, actor, comedian, self-proclaimed sexy blurred. That's a um, black nerd. And each week I'm joined in the corner by other fabulous minorities and some allies tackling the news, pop culture, politics, media, entertainment, and history with a little self-care, self-love sprinkled throughout, all for our own personal and collective empowerment. What up, Corner Kids? It's time for an all-new episode of Minority Corner. Here we are. It is Black History Month. I love it. It is time to celebrate Black history and culture. We got Mackenzie Green back here to help us kick off this amazing month. Well, nothing says Black History Month like Joss Whedon. Okay, well, before we get into all this Black history uh, diving in, uh, we got to talk about Joss Whedon. There was an article that he did, an interview that he did, that did not do him any favors. Uh, we're going to unpack a lot of things that he said. This is very challenging. Uh, our heroes, how they fall, or they just weren't who we thought they were, or the veil gets lifted off. I don't know. But Mackenzie is going to help us unpack a lot of the things that are coming out of this Joss Whedon interview that he did. Beware, childhood about to be ruined. Uh, speaking of childhood being ruined, um, we unpacked the Bill Cosby documentary that has just been released. We have not seen it, but we're talking about the impact of it. Uh, why is it important to watch this documentary? Or is it? I don't know. We're going to find out, uh, but we definitely need to talk about Cosby. So now we are going to dive into a deep conversation about lynchings. Um, on one hand, man, do we have to talk about lynchings in black history, but black history is American history. This is the thing that happened specifically towards black people. So this was very a fascinating conversation. I thought I knew a lot about lynchings, but I really had no idea. We're going to dive into the history, the numbers, and the unwillingness of our own government to do anything, and how if you're living here in America, how connected you might be to these lynchings that were not that far away. Uh, it's going to be quite a powerful, impactful episode of Minority Corner. I'm glad you're here. We're going to have some tough conversations today, but we're going to do it with a lot of love and a lot of heart. So we will make it through this together because it is time to learn, laugh, and play right here on Minority Corner. There we go. Done. Yeah. Done. That's it. Nice. That's all you done can do. Done and done. I mean, teach teach the kids. So, uh, there we are. We're wishing wishing the but I I don't I, I I don't know. I do just hope that like and also Brittany's recovering from the trauma of what happened. Yes. Obviously, in my mind, the best thing will be either like some therapy or some sort of like Eastern philosophy meditation therapy that's yes. not a cult yeah i think that'll be her challenge is to not find a cult. Oh, a million percent which is very very susceptible oh very <laughs> kind of open at this point because mm -hmm. like that's the problem is you mm -hmm. want like a great person spiritual like you want like gabby bernstein to like privately train her like honestly mm -hmm. i don't even want that i want like oprah to be like hi come to my house for the yes. weekend <sighs> and like let's try Why to get you, you figured out okay so she tweeted, Britney Spears tweeted, Oprah, I'm ready that. to do an interview. Why do you, Oprah's not touching Because Oprah for knows some that reason. she's not well to do it. Like, that's one thing about uh, Oprah is Oprah yeah. is not Sally Jesse yeah. Raphael, where it's like, oh, yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's talk to her while she's still dealing with all this stuff. It's like Oprah knows she's not going to be uh -huh. sitting across from, like, a well person. And so it's like, yeah, I'm not about to take advantage yeah. of this girl. Like, and that yeah. just proves that she's yeah. a good person, which I'm like, just bring her to Montecito and like bring all your body workers and gurus and like spiritualists and yeah. let them like help her start her journey. And then like, you know, I'm like, damn girl. But then I keep remembering like, oh, right. She's also the same person that got burned by Lindsay Lohan. Like, she's probably like, I tried it with these <laughs> girls. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> these girls are a yeah. mess. I am not. I'm not touching that. 
Um, okay, and news of other messy. There's just all these just like it's, it's such just mess. what a time it's for just what a mess. It's such mess. It's it's you know what's so inter- I was gonna say, nope, that's not true. It's like, oh, it's so interesting that it's I'm like it was so nice to have like mess in, in pop culture and not politics, and then I just no. had a flash of everything that's been no, happening it's that still I'm just happening. ignoring. We're just ignoring Oh, it it's all everything. Yeah. All a mess. I'm like, let me look at the mess over here. Great. <laughs> pop culture, you're a mess. Great. God, great, great, great. So Joss Whedon, which I mean so Joss Whedon did an interview with New York Magazine um, because as you know we've reported here at Minority Corner since in 2017 his his, uh, ex-wife Kai Cole published you know this article on the rap saying you know he's a hypocrite preaching feminist ideas he's not this hero that you you know thought he was and it was like wait what and it was very you know he's slept with actresses um from the set of buffy he said in and so he does this interview because and then with the stuff with ray fisher which will you know remind the audience (laughs) of of a moment um and so he's doing this interview and he's not doing himself any favors in this interview like there's nothing that he really says that you're just like you're not redeeming yourself no. in this moment, Just Whedon. Like you're still not gonna work if because I'm you're being still. Honest, when I you've learned nothing. First heard about this interview, I thought it was other people being profiled about Joss Whedon, and then somebody was like, <laughs> "No, no, that was Joss Whedon being interviewed." And I was like, "This came out of him yes. speaking on behalf of himself." Like I, it blew my mind. These are the things. Wild. So he and so what? Little points we're gonna I'm gonna <laughs> touch on here. So when it's, I mentioned that he you know slept with actresses off yeah. uh, in the set of from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, he said in this interview that he was powerless to do anything oh. else because in his mind he's still like this. You know he was you know he's this nerdy kid who got oh, picked man. on and done. So he had to do it for that kid because he never in a million years thought <laughs> so he get to you know. Oh. God. Fuck these I'm beautiful actresses. I'm having sex with these women because the child in me would want me to. <laughs> what? Oh God! I have to. Okay. I I just I oh, have God. to. I, and then you know uh you know Ray Fisher called into attention that his you know um you know Joss Whedon's behavior on set was unprofessional um and he launched that he got that investigation uh on Warner Brothers yeah. uh, against him. And because at that point, Joss Whedon's ego is so huge, right? Like, he's got this huge sort of cult fan base. I was a part of it, you know, but I've seen the light. You know, he's done, you know, he did he, he did the Avengers, right? Like, he'd done all these things and built all this, like, you know, fandom before fandom was really, like, to you know, what it, what it is. And then this investigation happens. He has this huge ego. He's coming on to fix, you know, Justice League from Zack Snyder. And, uh, and he said certain things of, like, um, so Gal, Gal Gadot was Gal Gadot Gal Gadot um she, so she had said that like in she said that yeah he threatened me in my career because he was like she because she's been working on Wonder Woman she's like I don't think my character would really say that and yeah. he's like you're gonna say whatever it is I want you to say I'll make you look so stupid and then he said something to the effect of like I you know he can end her career and then he goes well she, and this is him like you said these are the words that came yes. out of his mouth in this interview um, that she misunderstood him. English is not her first language. Like that's what you're going with, Joss Whedon. God bless. God bless. Like that's... I'm always fascinated. It's moments like that that I'm like, wow, to be a straight white man, like to truly think mm. that that's an explanation enough to make yeah. people go, oh, right, 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 right. She's a foreigner. Okay, oh, yeah, you're oh my right. god, mm. you're so right. <laughs> Oh my god, she's a foreign lady. <laughs> like it's fascinating. It's fa- it's like the same thing when his explanation for like Ray Fisher was like, "Oh, well he just didn't make sense in the story." And you're like, "Cuz you cut him out of the story." And it's like cut him out. And it's like, "Well, he was being Oh. <laughs> oh. Even worse, he called in this interview. These are the words that came out of his yes. mouth. He said, "Well, Ray Fisher is a bad actor in both senses." Go. Guys. Fuck yourself isn't that that is mean that is so vicious and you're also in this industry he's a work colleague really Mm -hmm. and you aren't you trying to repaint your image as like you're a nice guy he even said i think i'm one of the nicest showrunners that's ever been but then there's all these reports of like he would bring women he he, there's this one writer uh she had written a script he put it on like you know projected it for everyone to see went line for line ripping it apart or like and she was trying to, for an hour or the fact that people were like a 12 13 year old michelle trashkenberg could not be yeah. left alone with him like i was just like 
this is not like I think yeah. what just will never grow old for me is just this <laughs> like here's the thing I like to say I'm late to stan culture so it was like when Joss Whedon <laughs> existed and people were like you don't like Whedon I remember seeing that for that Age of Ultron and hating it like oh, hate, yeah, like yeah, when yeah. Mark yeah. Ruffalo lands face first in Scarlett Johansson's boobs I was like I hate these movies oh these are awful I don't these yeah. and so i kind of was like yeah. peace out i'm never watching these again and then next thing i knew a few years had passed i was trying to fuck with that with dcu and i was like god these are awful but like i was like but <laughs> man do i love heath ledger and by the time i came back everybody was like they're making a black superhero movie and i was like wait what now and then it was uh-huh, like so by the time uh-huh. i re-entered the mcu there were no joss whedon films it was like right he was he was long gone, gone. Yeah. it was like who it was like yeah. civil war like i remember coming back and being like oh cool they got spider-man like i think i was one of those people being like when are we getting a third andrew garfield and then went to see a trailer <laughs> see a movie and saw a trailer in which a man landed on top of a car and i was like that's not andrew garfield what <laughs> <laughs> but like it's just so funny to me that like the amount of people like because i never watch buffy so like i have friends that this is oh, like this yeah. is devastating yeah. to them i feel it, it's so funny i think that you would have absolutely loved because yeah. you and i have very that's what i'm saying you would have loved it it was so good but i actually better that you didn't because i i've had my peace with it back in 2017 which was you know the election had just happened then this happened so i've kind of <laughs> yeah. made my peace and come full circle but i love joss whedon i was obsessed with joss whedon firefly angels serenity yeah. like the whole thing like and so it was very you know just seeing the veil be lifted and there was a character in uh angel chris charisma carpenter she played cordelia she went off in a spinoff series of angel and then around the fourth season her character gets pregnant and then uh they had to rewrite the show to kind of fit it in there but then her character just disappears the next season and it was like oh did she get written off because she was pregnant chris carpenter played nice you know but back then there wasn't a lot of internet it was like you'd read a magazine she's like oh no i'm just gonna go raise my family oh no 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 when joss whedon found out that she was pregnant he says the first thing are you gonna keep it very like point blankly aggressively right and then when she was like yeah i'm gonna keep it he would call her fat on stage uh uh, when they were on set and she had already had anxiety from working with him before so she got like a rosary tattooed on her arm and he was furious because he's like you're hanging out with the vampire you can't have a rosary boy it's called you got visual effect if you can turn somebody into a vampire so you can just powder her wrist it's not make that go away no and so she had this great line because she after ray fisher uh did his post and was talking about it she's like i have to speak up and she you know wrote this huge very detailed carefully thought out letter um and one of the my favorite lines is she said um all the joy of new motherhood had been sucked right out joss whedon was the vampire oh yikes the fact that she even had i mean Mm -hmm. god bless everybody that dealt with yeah because i just i find myself now being like you know it's like that crazy, you know, like it aged like a bag of old spinach is like when you <laughs> hear Paul Bettany being like, and then God for Joss Whedon cast his vision. And you're like, if that's the only good thing I can think of that this man did, like, great. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to go. Because his. Well, then you put into context is everyone's like, oh, he's this feminist. I, this, you know, he's such a feminist leader and da da da. No, 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 no. He was surrounding himself yeah. with a good team of people yes. like Marty Noxon, Jana Spenson, who could rail in and filter his ideas yes. they weren't so bananas and, and 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 crazy um you know like actually to your point age of ultron that's when i started i was like hmm? yeah scarlett johansson's like i can't have a i can't have a baby i'm a monster hmm? and yes. to your point and age of ultron in literally like two minutes apart both black widow gets rescued off by the yes. hulk him holding her and then Vision doing the same exact thing with the other female superhero. No That's sense. when I was like, what also, is it's going on? it's that, like, your – kind of, like, your coach dictates the tone. Because I remember that was the era of the Avengers mm. in which the male cast members would tease Scarlett Johansson about how she had, like, changed love interests. I don't know if you ever remember that. But it was, like, an interview mm. where they were asking some kind of question. And the question came up of, like – you know who does black widow choose and like i think 
you know, uh-huh. God bless you. So Chris Evans has learned. But I think, like, he makes a joke or, like, Chris Hemsworth makes some kind of joke of, like, oh, you know, Black Widow's, like, a slut. Like, she'll hook up with anybody. It's kind of like, no. it's kind of like, oh, first she was hooking up, she was into Cap, and now she's into Hulk, and, like, who's next? And I'm just, like, I can't even get into this, like, oh, he's a misogynist. More so, I'm like, yeah, your, your coach, your leader is kind of yeah. dictating the tone yep. if what you've been hearing every day for, like, three months is, like, all right, you know, Scarlett, Lizzie, how you feeling, ladies, and all this stuff. You get on your press tour, and you're just <laughs> like, you're like, yeah, whatever, we're playful. Like, okay. you're dumb. <laughs> you're silly. Because you have to go along with that boys yes. club. And I'm interested. it's so interesting because Scarlett Johansson, literally, her character is killed off right as, you know, there's yes. literally – they're showing oh. we're gonna have women. It's like a now, feminist revolution like, happens in the MCU. Like <laughs> Widow is dead, she's at, dead. The bottom, she's dead. at the bottom she's dead at the bottom of a ravine. Literally. And you're just like, What? What? And she like missed out on all yeah. of that, the brunch, and it's all these things that are now here. It's just so interesting because she was there when it was like such this, you know, boys' yes. club. Um I think that so all the time when very... it's like the hey there, Peter Parker, like that whole thing, I'm like, Scarlet must be like, I spent years in like with my breasts hanging out, being called ScarJo. Like, this poor woman literally did press tours where people were like, do you get to wear panties under that costume? And oh now and now you got Brie Larson, and they're like, so what are you back squatting, Brie? Yeah, all right. <laughs> and then they're, like, looking over at the dudes being like, hey there, pretty fella. So what, uh, what you got going on under there? And the guys were like, please stop objectifying me. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, poor Tom Holland has to take his shirt off every movie. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, oh, yeah. Zendaya has not worn a oh, fitted yeah. shirt once in the Spider-Man trilogy. Nope. <laughs> not going to do it. She doesn't need to. I love it so much. Um. Okay. Last thing to talk about. Is we're talking about the trash. You know what we do? We're clearing out yeah, the trash. trash. We're going through yeah. what's in our trash can. What's in our trash can? Okay. I don't have you. I just watched it. I the there's a trailer for we need to talk about yeah. Bill Cosby. I tried to, and then I immediately uh. stopped it and went, I don't need this today. <laughs> it's fair. That's yeah. fair. So there's a new documentary coming out. It's gonna be on Showtime. Just when I thought I could cancel my Showtime series because uh, Yellow Jacket no, has finished, and I was canceled. like, okay, good. yeah, <laughs> I can't. I got this. That's how they, they were get ready ya. for you. They, they always knew, there's they at least knew. one. They were like, oh, I. <laughs> Literally was like, okay, now time to cancel. Oh wait, what? Oh, yeah. do oh, Bill Cosby, yep. four parts. So that's at least a month. All right, I guess I'm go. I'm in. Our friend Debbie Camo Bell has a new documentary coming out. Um, it's done really exceptionally at film festivals, and I feel like it's very much in the line of previous documentaries that have come out yeah. in the sense of like oh, surviving um, R. Know, Kelly the, and. Yeah. Surviving R. Kelly, leaving never, leaving never. I always get finding Neverland yeah, and le- know, leaving Neverland confused. And they're very, very, very different, different situations. <laughs> Those kids were trying to get out. Um, uh, <laughs> they were not looking no. for it. Um, and then also the one about was it Russell Simmons? And so yeah. it's it's interesting because I think it's so as us as Black people, it's we have a different journey and experience. Yes. taking in these stories because we have what's called shared lineage. We have it more than any other group of people. Is that like when your win is my win, we feel it. When that person goes down, we feel it. I still feel the O.J. Simpson Every, trial yeah. in my bones. Yes. And I still can't say what happened. I just can't get the oh, words out of my the mouth. The way I've my seen. family will act like, <laughs> we don't know. And I like it took me years to get my mom to watch the Ryan Murphy show. Because she was like, I'll never, I'll no. never feel bad. Because I said something to the effect of like, oh, you know, Marsha Clark wasn't that bad. And my parents, never have they been so pissed at me. They were like, Marsha Clark was not a good person. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, but and that that Ryan Murphy series was so important because in my house, R- Marsha Clark was the, the devil, devil, right? Just like, terrible. But then oh. you watch this, <laughs> you watch the series like, oh, she was a human being, and sexism was happening, yes. and she was, and like you know, and then I just for some reason. There was a clip of him putting on that glove, and I just had to. Look oh, real away. inside tea. Like, my friends, my dad is was good friends with the late Johnny Cochran. My dad was on the phone with Johnny Cochran. Oh shit! My dad's on the phone with Johnny Cochran. Trials happening. They're talking about something wow. entirely different. Johnny says, "Call comes in." Johnny says, "Ernie, can you hold on a second? I just got to switch. I just I, there's a call coming in, and it, they just keep calling. Switches the call. My dad says he's gone for a little bit. 
he's still sitting there. Like this is obviously the '90s in which you would sit on the phone and be like, "All right, <laughs> yeah. he'll come back." Eventually. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Clicks yeah. back it's over sweet. and he's like, "Uh, hey Ernie, I gotta go. I think I'm gonna be doing this OJ thing." And my dad was like, <laughs> "Oh, okay, man." Like my dad, the most oblivious person alive, is like, "Oh, okay, man." And then just was like, well, I'll talk to you later. And then my dad was like, and then about uh, 24 hours later, he was in California going through the stuff. Oh, and shit. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, good job, wow. dad. Wow. Wild. Wi- now who's going to, someone's got to play your dad. I want that Listen, scene. They when I, the when he Murphy was explaining series. that to me during the Ryan Murphy series, I was like, I want that scene. I want that scene of like you and Johnny still being like a kind of interesting, but like no name lawyer. Being like, yo, man, I yeah. gotta go real quick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go represent this OJ. Yeah, he's like, I think I'm gonna uh-huh. do this OJ thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there is this new Bill Cosby series coming out. I am def- It's interesting because it's like I can't even. I don't even call it the Cosby Show anymore. I've rebranded right. the Huxtables. Right. And I think that it'll be helpful in terms of coming to terms with it because I think it is like it is a collective. Yes. Well. I won't put it in that degree because there are actually people who are um, physical victims and survivors, but there is a bit of a um, collective trauma when we oh, all is. used to watch the same shows and movies. And this was like our hero. And it kind of yeah. makes you little, it's like when you find out in scream that your boyfriend's the murderer yeah. and you're like, but wait, what? I mean, like it's, it's, it's jarring. And I think even for somebody like myself who like, I was a little too young to really get the Cosby show so, like, I wasn't in it when it happened, but I was right at the perfect age when Different World happened. And I thought I was mm-hmm. being very, like, yes. I'm better than everybody else because I don't even care about the Cosby show and I don't even watch it. And then it's like, hey, dum-dum, like, same day, different story. Like, you're watching yeah. it mm-hmm. and it's still money going to the estate. And it's like, it's not Lisa uh-huh. Bonet's money, buddy. Like, you know, <laughs> stop watching it thinking, like, I'm helping Lisa Bonet. Oh, can we have a moment of silence for just the beautiful marriage that came I apart mean, from Jason Momoa and Lisa Bonet? And can I just give a PSA to all the people who were delusional like I was that in the moment that news was an- announced, you were like, yes, Jason Momoa is like single. We don't have a chance, guys. We don't have no, a chance. Not, like, Let it go. Now's my chance. Like the amount of women I knew that were like, it's my ch-. I was like, get your head out of your ass. We don't have a shot. It's <laughs> like. And I love that family so much because you got Lisa Bonet married to Jason Momoa, uh, her Do daughter you know how much I Zoe Kravitz. Never stop talking about this. And, like, and then Lenny Kravitz is the, the cool dad. Like he wished Jason Momoa happy birthday on social media. Is like happy birthday, brother. I used to say like, like genuine. The power in Lisa Bonet at that table, looking around and being like, "Wow, mm. look, there's Lenny Kravitz and Jason Momoa and Channing Tatum." Like I did this. I did this. Yep. I created yep. the Nexus Very event dead. that gave us this table. <laughs> and like, and then your daughter's Zoe Kravitz, yeah. aka our new Catwoman. I just I mean, like, or the I, fact that what, Beyonce like, is just... dressing up as you for Halloween. Like, that's how you know. <laughs> that's how you know you're important when you're like, Beyonce was me for Halloween. Like, that's how <sighs> big of a deal I am. I don't. It's just, it's a crazy thing where I don't, I don't think like. I don't think folk outside of the black community get it that it's like mm. that those ones in particular, right? Like mm-hmm, Bill Cosby, mm-hmm. because he's Mr. HBCU. He's Mr. Like, res- yes. I mean, he's literally the bastion of re- respectability politics for black folks where it was like, <laughs> where it was like, yeah. this is how you the, behave. You could be that. Yeah. It, he was the thing of like you, the, the aspirational thing of be like the Huxtables yeah. and like he would, you know, tell the kids to pull their pants up and, Meanwhile, all this, and I will say, he was like giving Lisa Bonet shit because she posed for she posed for Playboy, yeah. and that 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 was either she left the Cosby Show for that, or he kicked her off the Cosby Show and then made her like her adult show, and she was yeah. like, "Thanks, I'm out of here yeah. after season one, and I'm coming back." I mean, home. I think he's uh, such a complicated such a thing, thing where it's like I know for myself, like being a Jack and Jill kid coming from that world, like the Huxtables were a thing you aspired to, and then to yeah. like get around folks in college who didn't grow up in the two-parent home where both parents had the fa- like they were like i hated the cosby show like i hated that that was the message mm-hmm. i hated this man i hated that he was like pushing this it's like i loved martin like that dude <laughs> spoke more to me than bill cosby did and then sure. like now mm-hmm. in adulthood to know that like you had eddie murphy being antagonized by bill cosby that you had like 
all these like very right. successful black men who didn't fit the Huxtable vision that he would basically call them and be like, I'm super disappointed and you, you need to do better. And it's like, and then like for Eddie to be like, and Charlie and I were like, that's not our reality. Like you want us to pretend yeah. to be like these goody two shoes. And it's like, no, like we're absolutely wild boys. And now I'm like, well, maybe if he had been a little bit more honest about himself, he mm. wouldn't have been subjecting people to his behavior. Dang, did you just Brene Brown Oprah Super Soul session Bill Cosby just now? Dang, Bill, we just gave it to you. Um, but there's also no recovery for you. I mean, there's he, he and Matt Lauer, not I want them canceled, not being. I want them to stay in Me Too hell forever. Like he and Matt Lauer, I'm like, you're never coming. Goodbye, best of luck to you, you Weinstein. Like I hope you all stay there for eight life sentences. Done and done. Like, there's some people yeah. that I'm like, okay, yes, there you can be renewed, but there's just some that's just like, no, just completely permanently exactly. canceled. I will say, Kama, this documentary, you know, I I know how hard it must be for Kama Bell to do this documentary because especially, you know, you just have, you know, black folks who are just like, no, I'm not going to watch Surviving R. Kelly. They're a lot. Like, they're just, they're so... Because we, we are heroes for the longest yeah. time. We're so few and far between. We had so few of them. Um, and they feel, again, that that shared lineage yeah. that it feels like they're being attacked or they're being refrained or, or, or you know, part of our, their community. And it's just like, we've got, you know, we've got, a, you know, Kiki Palmer, <laughs> Gabrielle Union. I, this opens up a bigger conversation yeah. about, you know, um, you know, teaching kids about, you know, intimate relationships and yes. partner violence and rape culture. Like we need to have yeah. these larger conversations because if it's Bill Cosby's doing it, it's happening on other levels. And last thing I'll say is that, I mean, it, I've only seen, I've only heard clips about this documentary and it is wild. Sure. Like the, what I hear is that like, it's powerful. It's informative. You're not going to feel good after watching it, but it's not the point. It's not the feel good documentary of the year. Um, but there's things about like he would have like models sitting in the audience of the Cosby show and have them just one by one come into his, uh, uh, you know, dressing room and audition. And that's why you would have like a six foot four model playing a cop on the Cosby show. It's in just front a of mess. Our face it's the a entire mess. time. And it's like, and it's a mess because it's making a mess out of other legends where it's like, it just breaks your heart when like a Felicia Rashad is oh. like, oh, you can do no wrong forever. Yeah. And you're just like, ugh. Wait, she God. just gets to say no comment for the rest of her life. And that's fine. I don't need her yeah. to comment on it. Like, like when he, yeah, the, oh man, I forgot about that tweet. I purposely did. There's some things I'm just going to forget. Yeah, he, after his like yeah. sentencing or whatever, like he got released and she was like, thank God. We're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. And she was like, finally, <laughs> good man is free again. And I was like, oh, no, 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 girl, no. You don't no. have to tweet anything. Prepare yourself for the greatest pro wrestling podcast spectacular known as Tights and Fights. A back-dropping audio showcase that helps you understand the world of pro wrestling with a lot of love and no toxic masculinity. Featuring host Danielle Radford. Time to kick butt and chew gum, and I'm all out of butts. Lindsay Cow. I'm a brutal Brit, and my fists were made to punch and hit. And Hal Loblin. I was doing the voiceover this whole time. Hear us talk about pro wrestling's greatest triumphs and failures. And make fun of its weekly absurdities. On the Perfect Wrestling Podcast. Tights and Fights. Every Saturday, Saturday, Saturday on Maximum Fun. Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. Our comedy podcast, Jordan Jesse Go, just celebrated its 15th anniversary. It was a couple months ago, but we forgot. Uh, yeah, completely. Our, our silly show is 15 years old. That makes it old enough to get its learner's permit. And almost old enough to get the talk. Wow, I hope you got the talk before then. A lot of things have changed in 15 years. Our show's not one of them. We're never changing and you can't make us. Jordan, Jesse, go the same forever at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, y'all. It is February, which means it's black history. And black history is actually just American history, just in case you, you didn't realize. And a huge part of about American history is uh, actually uh, lynching. Lynching is a big part. And I feel like lynching is one of those things that like, right, oh, yeah, yeah, we know all about that. But we really, unless you're studying it, I doubt. Um, because I was reading this post from the NAACP called um, The History of Lynchings, and it's about how the NAACP fought lynchings. And then there was an excerpt from a, a cast by Isabella Wilkerson um, that talked about it. And I was like, just put it in very different perspectives. So we're going to go back in time and understand a little bit more about American history. So catching y'all up, you know, lynching, it's it's this public killing of individuals who have had no due process. They're just, you know, people wilding oh, yeah. in the streets, judge, jury, executioner. And uh, you know, it's usually a lawless mob. Even police are involved sometimes, you know, even though, wait, what are they? Oh, you know, know. not yeah. surprised. <laughs> the tale is old as time. And these were public violent acts and really as a method to also terrorize and control black folks and even people who maybe would want to be allies in some way. And this was going down in the 19th and 20th centuries, particularly in the South, though they did happen in other areas as well. Um, and you've seen some of these images. It's usually black men and women hanging from trees, but they were more than that. Yes. These were brutal torture, mutilation, decapitation. Like it was some of them were burned alive. It is not just, I mean, terrible hanging from a tree enough, but like it human beings doing such archaic, grotesque things. Just maybe a hundred years yeah. ago. Oh, that's always my favorite part is like when people get very like, it was so long ago. And I'm like, <laughs> somebody one tongue my father's effigy outside of Central High School so that he would know it's time to go home. And that was 60 something years ago. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, a typical lynching, the way it would go down, there'd be some sort of accusation of some sort of criminal something or other. Uh, there'd be an arrest, an assembly of a mob, you know, seizure, just then the torture and torment would then happen. And these were full on spectacles, something I've actually never really seen in a film before and again the power of storytelling to be able to take us there that maybe a documentary wouldn't necessarily these were full-on spectacles that the white community would go to and celebrate there would be photos of lynching sold as souvenirs which we're going to put a pin in this uh from from uh case that talks about but it was this was a full this was the thing to do tonight Ooh, where are you going tonight going to that lynching yeah it was the thing okay see you there one brand of cake you know they were full-on and they would have, you know, that's where I, um, you know, picnics. They would, and then it would pick picnics would just become pick a nigger. Yep. That's what they would refer them yep. them as. So, I don't be having picnics. I'll tell you. I mean, it's that. always so funny. I think, like, I think I once put this in a speech my dad had, where I was like, racism is like sugar. It's like once you decide to start eliminating it, you realize it's in everything. It's like the mi- oh, and so like that's yes. the way I feel like when you'll tell somebody like oh you know the origin of picnic is actually like picnic and they're like what no and you're like oh yeah if you turn the label over on everything in this country you're like damn it there's racism in this shit yeah ah, great yep oh <laughs> everything so let's talk about some of the numbers right because again I think it's such an abstract idea. And when we look at it from 1882 to 1968, there is just a recorded of 4,743 lynchings that occurred in the U.S. And mind you, some of these would be multiple. These aren't just the, oh, that's how many people were lynched. Then there's like full on towns of people, right? That would be lynched in this in this case. And these are recorded. These are just the records maintained by the NAACP. So um, many historians believe that there's numbers way higher unreported lynchings lynching just happened down the street over there um so those are so the numbers that we have the highest number of lynchings during this time period occurred in mississippi with 581 recorded <laughs> yeah that's the big part like, recorded because a lot of those mm-hmm. are not recorded yeah i mean there's just a tuesday and i was like oh yeah we didn't lynch yeah. we didn't put it in the books Georgia was the second with 531, Texas with uh, and third with 493. Lynchings did not occur in every state. There are no recorded 
lynchings in Arizona, Idaho, Maine, Nevada, South Dakota, Vermont, and Wisconsin. So, which is alar- alarming, you know. I think it's also just, surprising. Uh, I'll be honest, Nevada's surprising. I'm like, huh. I didn't know. see that coming. Even, even like, you know, actually, all of these are actually surprising, except Vermont. Except Vermont. But, yeah, it's always Vermont, always, but, but that seems on brand. Yeah, but Maine is surprising. Yes. Because it's, once it starts getting really, yeah. really white and further up north, it starts getting weird. But yeah, for some reason, Nevada surprises weird. me. And then you say Utah's one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no Utah. No, it was no. They was it Arizona. It was one of those. Arizona. Idaho, That's who it was. Maine, Arizona Nevada, was the one. South Arizona is the one that threw me. <laughs> yes. I was like, what? Yeah. What? What? But again, record it. Record yeah, it. Record. South Dakota exactly. too. Yeah. South Dakota, because I feel like yeah. before so, <laughs> I'm like, because that is indigenous land, and before people took it over, they were like, please get that out of here. No, no. Take that. Some, yeah. Take that, mm. take that north. Take that north. Don't do that down yeah. here in South Dakota. I think that they were just not recorded some of these yeah. things. I and so the black people were primarily the victims of the lynchings. So out of uh, you know three thousand four hundred forty-six, or about seventy-two percent of the people recorded that were lynched were black. Um, but they weren't the only victims. Sometimes it was white people who were lynched for helping. I was about to say, I was um, like, now I oh know there's a, a tie back to black folks. I knew they just weren't like, let's lynch a, a white person. It was like, you know a black person, don't you? You got to come mm-hmm. with us. What was the show that, oh, the Underground Railroad, yes. uh, Barry Jenkins. They have some really, really powerful episode of just like there were these white people who were just seeing the fear that they were going through. Yeah. Like, not that it's all about them, but um, we have to give them a moment. How they we have like, to tell them that they were there or else they get mad at us. <laughs> and they're like, my great you were there. We see my you. My great aunt you absolutely was standing next to a corner store when Martin Luther King got hit in the face with that hose. And she was like, I don't like it. And that's what she said to her friend. And then they went and had lunch. And you're like, all right, you're an ally. It's actually very funny because I do have an anecdote that is very similar <laughs> about a famous person. About, so this is the very on brand. You're right. That is the common. Otherwise, they would check yeah. out. So don't worry, you gal. I have an anecdote about a white person who saw it and didn't like it. And you know who they are. Um, immigrants. So sometimes immigrants from Mexico, China, Australia, um, and other countries were also lynched. So that Australia, it must have been like. I was like, this got to be. I was, that's what I was going to say. I was like, these have got to be Aboriginal Australians. Aboriginal. These have got to be. Because yeah. everybody in that could potentially have some melanin. So I'm like, yeah. Yes. That checks out. I'm like, they yeah. all look They're different. just like, good day, mate. Lynch yeah. I'm like, like absolutely not. <laughs> so how would this happen? So oftentimes there would be an accusation that was that would happen, and then the 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 claim would be to use the black. It would usually be a lot of times it would be some sort of like uh, sexual transgression of accusation course. that would happen. Um, so there'd be some you know often. I mean these were fabricated charges of rape, yeah. um, and the allegations were used to enforce segregation and advance and advance stereotypes of black men as violent hypersexual aggressors and hundreds of black people were lynched based on accusations of other crimes as well including you know murder arson robbery vagrancy and oftentimes it was like that white guy did yeah. it like and then it was like no we don't want to bother him he seems nice no 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 let's kill that black guy yeah. um and you again would have different towns we've seen it from like you know rosewood uh to you know black wall street yeah. and and so many other ones you know um, and many victims of lynchings were murdered without being accused of any crimes. That was also possible. So you could <laughs> been doing nothing. Um, it's just you're black, yeah. and maybe you're you're talking to white people with less respect than what white people believe that they were owed. You can get lynched. Oh yeah, wild. It's so funny that so, you're saying because yes. I was gonna just jump in and say like I I yeah. see through my father. Obviously, his is, like, more extreme because he really got to see these people live in effect. But, like, I see it so often in him when he'll we'll be, like, doing something. We could be someplace getting, like, a service done for us. And, like, there'll be a white guy and he'll be like, well, yes, sir. And I'm like, why did you call him sir? Like, you don't have to call mm-hmm. this man sir. Fuck him. He's doing something for you. And it's like, but I mm-hmm. have to remember. It's like, I have to remind myself that my father and Emmett Till are the same age. That my dad was Dang. a teenage boy and saw Ugh. this boy who had been lynched in the... Like, I have to remind myself all the time that it's like, he saw that, 
Then when he goes to Central, they call my grandmother's house and are like, your son's going to be the Emmett Till of Little Rock. He's going to be the Emmett Till of Arkansas. We're going to kill him. No. You know, they're hanging him in effigy. And I have to remind myself that, like, to me, it's a black and white picture. To him, it just yeah. happened. Like, in his lifetime, yeah. he can remember a lynching victim in a magazine. And it's like, and I have to, like, take those seconds to be like, why are you talking to this man? Like, you got to be nice to him. And then I'm like... Oh, this is why my dad's never too loud, never too this, never too yeah. opinionated, doesn't fight with people, like just gets frustrated on the inside and then is like, I mean, this is a man that you'll give him the wrong order and he's just like, thank you. And then come home and we're like, this isn't the right order. And he's like, well, I mean, can we make this work? And we're like, no, you tell the Cheesecake no. Factory this isn't what we wanted. <laughs> Uh, but I forget too. Like your dad went to school during such like trauma. When I tell you, I, I can't even. When I tell you, and just trying to like study two plus two yes. is four. And when I then, tell you that I frequently forget, and then he'll have like a moment of night terrors or something, right? And he's like screaming for help. Yeah. And then I'm like, and my mom and I are like, oh right, like children have PTSD from like enduring a thing for an adult. And then we like just went like, bye bye, you're okay, right? And they were like, uh huh, sure. And we're like, okay. And I'm like, no wonder John Lewis was like, I just want to be happy. It's like, I've seen some shit, y'all. Yeah. Like, yeah. You get to that point. You're like, I made it to the other side. Do you want to remind the listeners in case this is their first episode? Oh, of yes. Who if your you've dad never met is. me before. So, my dad, Ernest Green, <laughs> is a member of the Little Rock Nine. So, he is the first African American to graduate from a desegregated school after the decision of Brown versus board. So he might be really important and cool and he has a congressional gold medal, but he's also my dad and he embarrasses me. Yeah. <laughs> You're the same way of like, I mean, that's how Angelina Jolie's kids yeah. look at her. So I find my father like, to be mom is not cool. terrifyingly embarrassed, but like truly as you're talking about the lynchings, it's like I'm in my head being like, Oh my God, I can't believe we used to do that. And then I have to remember like, Oh, when he was oh. 13, like mm-hmm. when he was a teenager, mm-hmm. he saw a lynching victim in um, in e- Ebony magazine. And I'm like, and meanwhile, I'm like mm-hmm. with everybody else being like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened so long ago. And I'm like, nope, my dad is alive. He is here. He was just here a couple weeks ago. Ooh, yeah. Oopsies. I, I'm thinking about that, too. Just kind of look at my mom. My mom was born in 1963 and my dad in 1957. Yeah. Like it's. Uh, yeah, my dad was like uh, a family from the South. My mom was in Boston, so I yeah. guess she was going to Oh, she be really saw okay. it. Yeah. She moved out to she California. Yeah. Like, oh, get um, me out of here. Yep. So uh, in the book, so he was talking about how these were events for the whole family. So this is what really put yeah. this in perspective for me in the book. Um, in the book, ca- uh, ca- why do I always struggle <laughs> with that word? Cast? Yeah. It's a cast, cast system. system. So it looks like case, <laughs> and I always want to say case, and then I trip up on myself and I feel embarrassed and I'm like I don't know how to say this no. important word he doesn't know what he's talking no. about uh, they were events for the whole family yes. like little white girls would get all dressed up and everybody of all different ages this was the event they were like a carnival yeah. part tor- por- but also part torture chamber and would attract thousands of onlookers who just uh, were they loved going to this like it was a carnival and it's because part of it I'm like how is it again not we're not talking about the dark ages no, we're talking about, not that long ago <laughs> we're talking about people's grandparents we're talking about people yes thank you depending yes. on your age we're talking yep. about your parents like it's it could be your yeah. parent yep mm-hmm. this is a stone's throw away and it's you know these they did not see us as human yeah. Where this could, but I don't even know. But I wouldn't even imagine. Even if we're not human, I'm not going to go to some like. I've never sorry seen, for any pet I've owners. Never, I'm not going to a dog yes. torturing carnival festival. Some, what like, the fuck is wrong with you? Why we all lose our minds when Netflix puts out a vegan documentary every year? Is everybody's like, did you know that they shoot cows in the head? And it's like, yeah. And then, and all, that's all it takes for people to be like, I'm never eating meat again. And I'm like, huh? What? You did, this so the only thing that's been stopping you years. from eating cow this whole time, all you needed to know was that hamburger is a cow. And it's like, what? What? I mean, listen, I, it's that like the, missing the concept of lynching. It's like it's wild to me that it took a lot of white folks and non-black folks to see videos of black people getting killed to be like, oh, my God. Mm. Oh, my God. And it was mm-hmm. like, 
so you mean to tell me this whole time all I had to do was show you a snuff film of a lynching mm-hmm. and you would have been like, oh, mm-hmm. no. It's like, but when I tell you they're following me around the store, you're like, don't be so dramatic. Mm, come on. You're being dramatic. Come on. Racism's over. Oh, my God. Martin Luther King solved everything. Yeah, we caught that one guy that shot him and, and racism was solved. You're welcome. Done, done, done. And I'm actually not kidding. That is pretty much how I was taught. I remember in elementary school, Mar- you know, yeah. Martin Luther King Day. was like, yeah, we had this thing called racism. And Martin Luther King came and he said everybody, he had this dream. And then yeah. he died. And we were like, okay, we're done with racism. I think like, I always had a weird perspective my with my friends. Because <laughs> well, well, your dad. Yeah, it's because I, my best friend growing up was Andy Young's granddaughter. And so, like, she and I would look at a picture of, like, a lynching on the screen during a Black History Month Dang. lecture, and Taylor would read these girls to filth at this predominantly white school and be like, so, I have an assignment for everybody here. Like, as we go through the history, she'd be like, I want you to ask your grandma what she thought about Emmett Till. I want yep. you to ask yep. your father what he thought of Muhammad Ali. I want you to ask your father mm-hmm. what he thought of Lou Alcindor or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, depending on what you... Like, she would literally read these girls a riot act because it would be like, if you think that these are just black and white photos... I want you to talk to your parents and grandparents when you go home today about what they thought about the Freedom Riders. Like, were they out there protesting Mm -hmm. on behalf of, you know, my grandfather? Were they in favor of Mackenzie's father? Like, ask them where they were when the Little Rock Nine Mm -hmm. entered Central and what their parents said. Like, what your grandparents said to your parents when they finally got in the school. And I think, like, that's a crazy thing where it's like, if people are listening to this right now and being like, (gasps) it's like, it's, it's not a it's not a mark on you, but to get real context and to get real with yourself. Like if we got to get real with ourselves, like guess what, the yeah. Huxtables are not the ideal family. Then like guys, <laughs> you might have yeah. to be like, hey, I learned about lynching today. We're seventh. Mm-hmm. I had a sorority sister. Like we're seventh generation from Tennessee. What the fuck, guys? What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? I know mm-hmm. somebody in here wasn't always making the right decision. <laughs> So, like, can we just have <laughs> yes. a little powwow? And that is the thing that does kind of, I that is the thing that just really does, I, I circulate in my head is that there are folks who are, they're, they're relatives. It's just such a stone throw away that this is so close that there's someone. And I think to your point, listeners, start having honest conversations with your family. Yeah. These, as Viola Davis said, exhume the bodies. Yes. We need to understand what happened, where, how close our family was and have like a real come to Jesus about yes. this because like this is your relatives were involved in this and getting dressed yeah. up and, and going And I to think these people things. think and that that kind of to... stuff is like, well, then I'm to blame. And it's like, what did that girl say on, Red, Rachel Cargill say on, on Red Table Talk? She was like, if I have to pay, if I'm still paying for the sins of your ancestors you need to also be like in this payment plan with me kind of thing it's like it's like why do i have to keep paying for what my ancestors did it's like well i'm still paying for the trauma like i'm still paying for the trauma of that moment and it's not Mm -hmm. about you being like oh i'm like just you know venmoing black people money which is was great love that in 2020 it got me a vitamix wild but like (laughs) but it's like Coming to terms and confronting that is how we get honest about the shit that got us here. Like yeah. being like, yeah. well, that wasn't me. It's like, okay. And there are a lot of Germans walking around being like, that wasn't me. But like, for real, for real, that was some shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there, it's interesting you bring that up because there was this point. But there are a lot of people who didn't say anything. Like they were actually like, in Germany uh, because – they, you know, at, at the death camps when they were burning the, you know, the Jewish folks and the people in the concentration camp, there was ash all around the goddamn city yeah. flying all yeah. over people. And to the point where they'd have to have the kids come inside because there's too much ash flowing around. So there's not this idea that folks didn't know. Yes. And I think that's the thing that's getting frustrated. See something, say something. Yes. And it is just, you know, we're in that moment. It's revving up, you know, with the voter rights stuff that's happening. Like people need to stick the fuck up yeah. because they are able to take the rights of one group of people who you think is coming next. And then you won't have the right to vote and no one's going to be able to say anything for you. And that's how, we, and that's why, ladies and gents, we tag team on this one because unpack your shit, find the resources that will help you unpack it. Because if you don't have that empathy muscle, 
then go look for the stories that will make you have mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, read read them books. Read them books, y'all. Boom. So their postcards would get ma- made, <laughs> and then they would mail them to their loved ones. So again, y'all got relatives that got these postcards probably still hanging around. Maybe you know they, they do. Burn them. You know it's like something that's hidden secretly <laughs> down in a thing that's like, come to a fish fry. And it's like, what? Uh, and one of these postcards had a severed, burned head of uh, Will James at one, uh, from one of them in 1907. A severed fucking yeah. head. And folks would frame their lynching photos and they would take yeah. pictures of them. Um, you know, they were just like this big old spec- spectacle. And there was one spectator who wrote on the back of his postcard from Waco, Texas in 1916. He said, this is the barbecue we had last night. My pictures to the left with the crossover it your son joe what a time and he probably said that with like i mean i'm saying it very oh, yeah. like no, it was he was probably like about it. love you you know greetings yeah. hey look like the same yeah. way you take picture with like the it. giant jaw uh the jaws thing at universal studios is probably like how he's taking the picture like oh. hey yeah absolutely yes and this was singularly this was an american thing to do and to your point though even the Nazis didn't stoop to yeah. selling souvenirs at Auschwitz. Yes, yeah, they were. You know? They were probably like that, this, yikesies, wowza. Yeah, but you know what did they always say is that the level. the comment was like that Hitler looked at <laughs> that Hitler looked yes. at American racism and was like, ooh, yep. that is fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I want to try that. Oh yeah. He got they got their ideas from yes. us like gasoline baths. We were doing those to Mexicans trying to cross the yeah. border down in like the 1930s. Yep. Like that was yeah. So everything USA. is started here. USA. Oh god, we <laughs> did it first. So lynching postcards were so common, such a common form of communication. But by the the turn of the 20th century, um, uh, that America, I that it just became a pretty much it became a sub department of the postcard industry. Oh. Like this is like it was its yeah. own just like genre. you had genres of greeting cards it, where it's like Mother's Day, Father's Day, lynchings, Easter, lynchings birthday, anniversary. I can't even. And then by 1908, the trade had grown so large and the practice of sending postcards featuring victims of mob murderers had become so repugnant because like you just see it yeah. like it's just there yeah. like it's a postcard. So it's just there to see. Yeah. So the U.S. Postmaster General banned the postcards from the mail. But that's not going to stop people. No. They just put it in an envelope and sent it away. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Put an envelope. There's a will, there's a way. That's great. So I told you I had an anecdote about someone. So <laughs> this was a story, uh, 1919. So newspapers, this is a story of Will Brown. Uh, newspapers had advertised his lynching, so everyone was going. It was, you know, the classic tale. White woman and her boyfriend had said a black man had molested her when they were out on out on a trip. Nobody knows what really happened. Fave story. He was arrested. There was no investigation, no due process. Like, the newspapers, they already knew they were going to, like, lynch him, right? Yeah. They already knew this was going to happen. Newspapers are advertising it. So the mob then looted guns from a local pawn shop and general stores fired at the courthouse and oh wait no they lit the courthouse on fire um they even killed two of their own and a bystander because these folks were just watching just shooting killing all kinds of they lost their minds is this why people need netflix like chill the fuck out set the courthouse on fire uh cut the water hose to keep the firefighters from being able to put the fire out the mayor showed up Put a rope around his neck, beat him up, send him to the hospital. The marriage was like, hey, uh, what's going on? Oh, got him. Losing right? their is... shit. Got some January 6th vibes all over again. It was like very much this mayor, Mike Pence in it up. Like yep. not really being an ally, but not, but you being know. Like, please don't get so a... mad. <laughs> yes. Get him. So they finally got uh, they they got Brown from the rooftop where he and the courthouse workers and the other prisoners fled to for safety because it's on fire. They got him from there, stripped him, beat him, hoisted him up, fired a million bullets at him. Audience is going crazy. They're loving it. Best lynching they've ever been to. Had a bonfire. Cut pieces of that rope that held him and sold it off as souvenirs and keepsakes. And the photographers were going wild. It was like a scene out of a wedding. Just picture like Instagram people like doing nice. poses. Hashtag Will Brown lynching. Yep. But who was also there across the street seeing this whole entire thing go down 
was a 14-year-old boy who was helping his father at the printing plant across the way. His name was Henry Fonda. Uh, Jane Fonda's I was about to say. pops. Okay, well, that explains because mm-hmm. Jane Fonda don't take no shit. So that explains a lot uh, about doesn't James that Fonda. Doesn't make sense? Jane Fonda makes yes, all the sense in the world now. <laughs> Yep. When you hear that story, that's what her dad witnessed. And he said it was the most horrendous sight he's ever seen. And it makes sense of like where she, how she grew up, what an activist and powerhouse she was. And even, you know, him, like, uh, you know, he, he, the roles he would play. So his character in 1943, the Oxbow, um, there was a, a line where he says, man, and this was like there was an unruly mob. It wasn't necessarily about a lynching, but it was an unruly mob. And he said, uh, man just na- naturally can't take the law into his own hands and hang people without hurting everybody in the world. But like that's what we were talking about earlier of like the sins of your forefathers. It's like mm. who knows what the history was up to him, but his decision and his like being unflinching and looking at how disgusting things were is now we got like the bad bitch Jane Fonda who's like, let me tell you guys something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let me show. Yeah, absolutely. And I, when I read that, that was it, again everything about Jane Fonda suddenly makes sense. Yes. You just like love her um, even more than you thought was even possible. I do want to leave us with some positivity. So, how did the NAACP fight back? Okay, NAACP fought back. Um, so you know there was the great event known as the great migration people like getting the fuck out of here um and things started to turn people were you know opposing lynchings but it was just this common sort of practice at at the same time but they conducted grassroots activism uh they were boycotting white businesses then you had anti-lynching crusaders like ida b wells who had her newspaper column which we've talked about here on the podcast who was just like she was not about it. She was a badass bitch. That was the name of the episode she was oh, on. That's in. fantastic. That's sort of I love that so much. <laughs> um, and so uh, the NAACP was also involved in several important civil rights, um, you know, movements that uh, were, were, were really combining this racial racial violence. So um, they also led courageous battles against the lynching. So in July 1916, Issue of the crisis editor W.E.B. Du Bois published a photo essay called The Waco Horror, and that uh, featured the brutal brutal images of the lynching of Jesse Washington. So getting these images out wow. and same thing with Ida B. Wells, getting these stories out um, was really key into uh, helping to turn the tide. So um in 1919 NAACP published 30 years of lynchings in the United States uh from 1889 to uh, uh from the 1889 to 1919 um and that promoted awareness of the scope of lynching and then you know the data and the study also offered gruesome facts by the number year state color sex um and alleged offense among these campaign efforts from 1920 to 1938, they flew a flag from their national headquarters in New York that bore the words, a man was lynched yesterday. And that campaign turned the tide of public opinion and even mm-hmm. persuaded some Southern newspapers to oppose lynching because it was damaging to the South's economic prospects. We don't care about the people, but... <laughs> I know. I was like, well... Hit them where the, the, in the pocketbook is the, you know, the way that this happens. So they were yeah. also fighting for anti-lynching legislation. In 1918, Congressman uh, Leonis, Leonidas Dyer of Missouri first introduced his anti-lynching bill, known as the Dyer Bill, into Congress. And then NAACP also supported the passage of that bill from 1919 onward. Though it was defeated by a Senate filibuster. How oh, interesting. Love the, the more things Over change, the more they remain the fucking same. Years later. This is insane. This is insane. Absolutely insane. This is the definition of insanity to keep doing the same thing, hoping to get a different outcome. Yeah. I. The NAACP continued to push for federal anti-lynching legislation into the 1930s, and then national lynching rates declined in the 1930s. So again, wow, having legislation passed that helped people. Wow, yeah, they were like, okay, it's a, they're you know we have anti-lynching laws, and surprise, surprise, it started to decrease. 
And uh, this was a trend that NAACP Executive Secretary Walter White attributed to anti-lynching activism, shifts in public opinion, and the Great Migration. So that also, there was less black people for them to lynch. Take it. So that also helped. Uh, yeah, and then the fir- we'll first it. full year without a recorded lynching occurred in 1952. So then you obviously had, you know, you mentioned this, the hugest turning point, Emmett Till. Emmett Till... Huge, huge t- turning point. Yeah. Um, kind of, I mean, I would have liked to have, th- I thought, you know, in some ways people thought that Trayvon Martin was, you know, that the turning point when it came to police violence, but really looks yeah. like the needle was moved even further. It might be George Floyd, um, you know, but it's only a matter of time until there's another yeah. one because we just keep doing the same thing. The big turning. Yes. And we talked about Emmett Till here, um, but it was the, you know, really the fact that his mother, uh, Mamie Elizabeth uh, Till, yep, she had an open casket and, you know, Jet Magazine published the photos of what they did to this, this child. um, And that really helped turn, turn the tides of things. So all that to say, you know, but lynchings are not necessarily done. They just happen in different ways. I don't have to read the, I mean, Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, you know, George Floyd, as we've mentioned, and the list just goes on and on and on. And so, again, this isn't black history. This is American history, and it's still happening today. And to your point, read up like, yes. you know, I, you know, we don't need to just talk about black history and American history in February. But I do think it is a time to recommit and focus. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> yes. J- the same way people set new year's resolutions use february 1st to set your Mm -hmm. anti-racist resolutions to assess how far you've come and what can you do better because this it doesn't stop i hate to break it to y'all this there is no like ta-da you did it like i am a black person and still learning how to be better advocates for all black people and i hope that i continue to every year realize there's something new i don't know and that there's a new uh disenfranchised group that i can speak Ah. up for mckenzie green i know that was heavy and deep but this is the point of this month is to explore these things exhume the bodies tell these stories dive into the history there's so much of it and uh you're the perfect person to go on this this journey with so i appreciate yeah i love you so much oh last thing that i do want to say is it tim who's what's the name of the celestial that's uh hanging out outside of part of the earth timament Timmerman? Oh, oh, oh. Timmerman? Yeah, Timmoon. Why am I calling him Timmoon? No, that's Timmoon is definitely the. That's also from Once on the Island. I watched a wild video that talked about how, like, he really just destroyed Earth's atmosphere because he's so tall. He's actually in, like, the next ozone layer. Uh, And they're just like, is the Earth just, is it going to be okay? Or are they just going to, like, retcon that this universe doesn't exist anymore because it's about to blow up? Like,. And you know, there's yeah. just a bunch of like kids no, going over there taking Instagram photos on his hand, just being like, "Look, look, I'm here." That was all I could focus on at the end. Is like people <laughs> vacation there, people vacation there, and absolutely get photos. It's the most terrifying thing. Like I, I can't wait to see how it gets referenced again. That is terrifying. That there it is. It messed this- with me. This it messed with me as bad as us did. Where like in that yeah. moment, I yes. sat back and went like, "Oh no." <laughs> What am I yes. going to do? And then I had to keep being like, it's not real. It's not real. It's not I, like I have to take moments and step back and be like, it's not real. It's not real. It's not real. Stop. It's not real. It's it's. I think literally the most terrifying thing ever of the MCU. Like it's, and it's just yeah. there and it's still there. Yeah. I just, is yeah. it, could it come back? I don't know. And it, wait, it was there the entire time. I'm like, is just his hand frozen? Is yeah, his whole body his frozen foot? or is it just is his, his hand? foot on the other side? Where's the rest of his body? It makes me so unsettled. So I just had to close out the show. Like, oh, we need to talk about this. So, yeah. guys, we give you a warm, fuzzy feeling. <laughs> That's what we do here, my corner. We're like, oh, lynchings. Well, let's talk about Tim real quick. Where's his foot? <laughs> all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. What? Well, there we are. Black History Month kicking it off. I am so excited for our guest for next week. It is Emerald Wright Collie. She is hilarious. We've not had her on the show. 
the last time that she was on, actually, we'll talk about this. Uh, she was in the episode right before the murder of George Floyd. Um, a bunch of you actually found the podcast through that um, through that episode. People were like, oh, let's listen to black people again. We've been here. We're here. We're, we're always here. Uh, but we're going to have her on, and it'll be really great to catch up with her and keep diving further into Black History Month. We are going to uncover, y'all. I'm so excited. I just found out some research and information. Uh, we're going to dive into the history of Andromeda. I know you're thinking Andromeda. Isn't she white? No. She was an Ethiopian princess. So we're going to talk about the whitewashing of uh, the, the Greek myth and story of Andromeda. We're going to unpack that next week with Emerald. So... See you next week. That'll be so great. Don't forget, y'all, I, I have been kind of softly talking about this. I haven't fully announced it yet, but I have a daily morning show uh, called Get On Up with Jam and Renee. And we're going to talk about Renee Colvert from Can I Pet Your Dog? Uh, you can catch it every morning from 7 to 9 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, if you just open up, you have an Alexa device, you say open up back channel. It'll pop you up. And then if you don't have an Alexa device, you can just go to back channel on uh, their YouTube stream from 7 to 9 a.m. You can catch us live or you can catch recordings as well. So good stuff. Catch me every day, y'all. Catch me every day, 7 to 9 a.m. Pacific time on back channel. Get on up with Jam and Renee. That's going to do it, y'all. Oh, and also, this is the reason why you should really come on over. Sarah Brown, our producer, is the producer over there. So, I mean, y'all know you need to come on over there. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. Super excited to continue the Black History Month celebration. More to come. All right. That's going to do it. Love y'all so much. Thank you for listening. Big thanks to Sarah Brown, our editor, producer, Lori Fowler, our production coordinator, to all of our Maximum Fund members and listeners, which is you all. Thank you for listening to Minority Corner, because together, we're the majority. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.